two weeks ago, our team left here and drove to uh, the Denham Springs area of Louisiana. I, I wasn't prepared for what we found. You want to go ahead and put that up there? I really wasn't prepared for what we found. Um, I know that Zach tried to show you all some things last week, and so and it didn't work. So I thought this morning we would begin, and then the message is woven around what you're going to see. So. Um, we'll just take a minute. This was a, a, a rather large house. Let me point out that um, what happened in, the, in Louisiana, they had 25 inches of rain in 24 hours. Did y'all hear that? They had over two feet of rain fall from the sky across the area in 24 hours. Everything flooded. By the way, how many of y'all have ever heard uh, phrases like, well, it's a 100-year flood zone? or it's a 500-year flood zone, or it's a 1,000. Y'all ever heard that before, talking about areas and, and the flooding? Well, what you need to understand is that this flood was greater than what they would have measured out to be a 1,000-year flood. 60,000 homes were underwater to some extent. The vast majority of those, because they didn't live in zones that were really legitimate flood zones, didn't have flood insurance. And uh, if any of you know anything about that, this is what it boils down to. Homeowners doesn't cover floods. So they just lost it. How many of y'all ever set your purse or a Bible or a coffee cup up on top of the car and drove off forgetting it's on top of the car and then it's just gone and you can't find it? How many of y'all ever did that with your house? Because that's exactly what just happened. They lost their house. They lost everything in it, all right? To give you some, uh, Gil, anywhere along the line, if you got something to interject, you're more than welcome. You see this boy in the water? I, Gil, am I, am I, am I uh, exaggerating at all to say that he and I are about the same size? Okay. But height-wise, we're right there together. All right, this guy's walking beside a kayak that his wife is sitting in as she's taking the photographs. This is his yard. Um, this is also Louisiana what lives in the water in Louisiana care to take a stroll through your flooded yard in Louisiana neck or, or chest deep and by the way let me point out that there's it's hard to tell in this photograph but it's sun shining which means this photograph was taken probably two to three days after the rain stopped the water was higher at its peak at that point. These are their cars in the driveway. Um, interesting thing I want to point out. If you and I thought we were going to be flooded, what would we do with our cars? We'd leave, wouldn't we? We'd get them out of there, wouldn't we? I need you all to listen to me. When they went to bed, there was no water. When they got up, it was coming in under the front door. When they went to bed, their yard was fine. When they got up, and by the way, it was her at home by herself. He works on an oil rig 108 miles out into the middle of the Gulf. And uh, when she got up in the morning, she realized that water was coming in the house. And she had to get somebody to get a boat and come get her. Uh, 
when a neighbor, a friend over this way, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's her dad, realized water was rising, he picked out the best car and he thought, I'm going to try to save that car. And he did something kind of ingenious. You notice how high that, that SUV is sitting? It's because he took a floor jack over there and he got he wallowed around in the rising water, jacked it up, and put it on eight-inch cinder blocks. So that SUV is not only flooded up to the windows, it's sitting on top of eight-inch cinder blocks. Can I tell y'all something? There are going to be times in your life when things happen and you can't take enough precautions to stop it. You're going to lose some things. It's just the way it's going to be. My question to you is this. On whom will you depend? You ever seen a refrigerator float? That refrigerator is floating in their kitchen. When it gets buoyant enough on the bottom, it rises off the floor, and because it's top-heavy, it tipped over, and now it's just floating in the room. Did y'all know toilets, toilet seats float? Can y'all see their little ring just under the surface of the water? That's a bathroom, by the way. And uh, those are the faucets coming out of the wall where you turn the shower on. The tub is full, the floor is full, the room is full, and uh, this is after water has gone down. We know, because they measured up on their walls, that they had 31 inches of water in their home. And their home is not built on the ground. Their home is built on what's called pier and beam construction. There are piers under the house, and then the, the home is, is built on top of them. And uh, just, just a lot of water. Um, the only way they saved some items was to put them on top of the master bed, which was significantly higher. I don't know if you can see it or not, but there's a, very, there's a pale line that runs across the edge of the mattress. That's how high the water got. Even though the water did not get, reach the items that were on the bed, the items that were on the bottom were all soaked because the mattress was soaked and wicked the water up and soaked that furniture. Um, let me see what I can do with this. I really don't know any other way to do this than just to do that right there and let you watch. Here's what I want you to take with you. This is not stuff. This is, the, this is what people have in the course of their lives acquired to have to live with. We saw baby furniture. We saw children's furniture. We saw all kinds of mattresses, box springs, you name it. Um, automobiles. Hutches, uh, one lady in particular, the, the first lady we helped, was 59 years old. And um, she didn't live in a, home, a house, she lived in a mobile home. Now, y'all know how high mobile homes are up off the ground, right? 
you know, you, they nearly all have a porch, and you have to take several steps up to get up on the porch to go into the mobile home. She's 59 years old. She'd been a widow uh, the, for, for about the past 22, 25 years. Her husband, at age 37, died of a heart attack in their home, and she finished rearing their three children right there. So she'd been living in, the, in the, that trailer for a very, very long time, and the water came into the trailer. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is because before I showed you water filling a place, this is what happens when water drains away. The flooring buckles and twists every way you can imagine. Um, it, it was no big deal for me to step through the floor about eight times. That You could expect that. But Zach stepped through the floor. That you wouldn't expect. Um, she had just got through renovating her, this trailer. And it, it had brand spanking new laminate flooring. Brand new living room furniture. Her bedroom furniture, what she was trying to save, she'd only had four days before the water came into the house. She works at Walmart, saving her money, or pennies all along. And she went to Walmart, she bought, or she went to a furniture store. This was Ashley Furniture. It was the kind, you know, it's got the little marble, the cute little marble top on the dresser and on the chest of drawers, and it's heavy as a, as a boat anchor. You all know what I'm talking about? Well, she had that stuff pulled out into, the, into her kitchen, trying to save it, and yet all over the backs of those things are these great, big, huge, growing colonies of black mold just expanding like you would not believe. Everything in that house had been steamed. When we got in, the water had only receded from that area uh, three or four days before. She had just been able to get back in the house. Whenever you step on the floor, even though it looks dry, whenever you stepped on the floor, water puddles up around your feet. So it's 94, 95 degrees outside. It's 96, 97% humidity. We're wearing um, mold masks and gloves and trying to help her open up her house. What, what has to happen is that all the sheetrock has to come off the walls, every last bit of it. It's got to be taken down to studs, okay? Now, in her living room, we got a really good idea of how high the water got in a trailer, in a mobile home. Now, that's, one of the, young, that's the young lady that went with us, Amanda Harrell. She's in the service next door. But if you'll, if you'll notice, you see the water line on the wall? That water line is inside a trailer that is up off the ground by how much? Um, I took a walk through the other person's backyard. They had a plank fence, and I could see the water line on the fence, and I just kind of walked up, and I was going to see how high on me that water came. And when I got to the fence, I had to tip my chin up to get my, get my head above the water line marked on the fence. That's a lot of water, amen? Um, and then, as if all of that was not bad enough, we're trying our best, we're working, and you'll never believe it. It starts raining again. Everything is soaked, everything continues to be soaked. It's, it's incredible. And it was after this rain started, uh, we, we tried to wait until it kind of quit a little bit. Then we went in the house and we came back out. And that was when Kale, the guy that was with us, fell trying to get out of the van and, and injured his back. And uh, that kind of brought an end to my day uh, of, of doing that. We, we had to take a trip to the hospital to make sure he hadn't broken himself in half. 
Now, I'm showing you these things, and it's awful. Y'all, you, you, surely you recognize when you're standing there, the smell is horrific. Pictures don't, pictures don't give you the smell. The smell of mold and rot is, it really fills your, your nostrils, okay? But what I want you to understand is that you're looking at people's lives that have been dumped out on the side of the road waiting for a FEMA truck to come by with this massive cherry picker and pick it up like, like every day's garbage and dump it in the back of these FEMA trucks and take it and bury it in a landfill. Now, I need to tell y'all something. Jesus addressed this. Did y'all know this? And I want to walk through you, walk, walk through this very quickly with you. Some things I learned, lessons from the flood. And we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended. And the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, three things that really stuck out in my mind. Floods happen. I want to point you back to this passage of Scripture, and it didn't say if the flood came. It said the rains fell. The floods came. Rain, we all like, especially right now. Is your yard parched? Is your yard turning, turning that crispy golden brown, and when you walk across it, it's breaking instead of swishing under your feet? Yeah. Uh, how many of y'all like to have some rain? I'd love to have some. How many of y'all have prayed for rain? Anybody prayed for rain? Yeah. Uh, can I point something out to you? God sends the rain which also means God sends the flood. Are y'all listening? God sends the rain, which means God sends the flood. You're not going to avoid it. Floods come. Your life is going to be flooded. There's going to be an area of your life that's going to get completely out of your control. It's going to be God messing around and trying to break away some things and to purify you, to bring you to himself. And often, more often than not, there's going to be very little warning. Did you all know that? There's going to be very, very, very... Oh, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to advance. Floods happen. There's going to be little or no warning. You're not going to, you're not going to get... Like, like we get for snow. How many of y'all, how many of y'all when, the, when uh, snow season rolls around, when cold weather gets here, you, you start paying more close attention to the weather, don't you? Yeah, because you want to know three days in advance so you can beat everybody else to the milk and the bread, right? Yeah. They didn't really have a lot of warning that this was going to happen. And no one ever thought it might happen. Guess why? Because this exceeded what has been termed a thousand-year flood. No one has ever seen it this bad before in their area. 
See, we're of the mind that if it ain't never happened before in my lifetime, chances are it won't. And God doesn't give you a whole lot of warning. When he sends the rain and the floods begin to rise, and he's got work to do in your life to tear down some things that have been built up where they shouldn't, to challenge your ownership of your space and yourself, and all the things that God does through times of great difficulty, you're not going to get a lot of warning. I just found it completely astounding that when she went to bed, she knew it was raining, but there was no water. And when she woke up, water was rising in the living room floor. That is just, that, that, that's hard, hard for me to wrap my head around. By the way, not only do, do floods happen, damage happens. Please hear me. There were people who loved the Lord Jesus Christ, who owned homes in this area, who had a close walk with the Lord, whose homes were wiped away just like everybody else's. Damage happens. Now let me tell you about one couple. One couple works with the church that we work with. He's on staff. He's a, he's a uh, part-time. He works for the state in, in a particular area of uh, it, IT, uh, internet technology, or all that, that sort of stuff. And he, he does the same thing for the church. But when he and his wife realized the water was rising, what they did, they got in their motorhome and they drove to the church building and they backed up beside the church building because the church building sat on the highest piece of ground. Are y'all tired? You look tired. How about I just cut to the chase? You ready? They left their house sitting in ruins to go work at the church, and because they were the only people who could get there, they ran a shelter, an emergency shelter, for three or four days by themselves, just him and her, at the church building, and they sheltered people who were flooded completely out of their homes. They opened up the Family Life Center. They opened up the <gasps> auditorium. You know what them people slept on? They put three chairs together, and three chairs made a bed, and they, they had people all over the place, in their auditorium, sleeping on our fine auditorium furniture. <laughs> she, do you know when we got there, the same couple was still there, still living in their motorhome. Their house is still flooded. And she's the one who's cooking us breakfast and supper. She's the one who's making sure that the, the uh, stores of emergency relief supplies are being organized and distributed orderly. They stepped away from their life. While other people are getting their lives back on track, they stepped away from their life to serve others. Don't tell me, don't tell me that God doesn't call people to sacrifice all to serve others. I've seen it. I've seen it. I learned a lot. One of the most important things I learned is that you're just simply not going to avoid a flood. Floods happen. Um, I want to tell you that floods are survivable. If you remember, there was a day in American history we called Black Monday. Black Monday was the day 
when men or when the stock market crashed and men who had lost so much money uh, they they just they just simply were despondent and many were leaping to their deaths out windows in the cities they were taking their own lives why because they they'd lost everything I've seen people who've lost everything and I bring you good news tidings of great joy are you listening I've seen people who've lost everything and I got good news for you are you ready it's survivable and they had each other it's survivable the house may wash away, but if you can get out of there with you and yours, you survived. And I want to tell you something. If you've built upon the rock, God is watching over you. And there's two things that Jesus talked about in reference to building on the rock. And it's so simple, but it's some of the stuff we hate to notice. Are you ready? Hear the word of the Lord. Oh, I know the word of the Lord. I, I, I know God's word. I'm not talking about reading your Bible. I'm talking about hearing it. I'm talking about not passing it off as just so much information to learn, but, but realizing these are God's words and what he says he means. And the other thing he says is this. He who does, the will, does what the word says, does the will of the Lord. Did y'all catch that part? Let me, let me reread that again. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want to encourage you this morning in this way. We're always looking for more knowledge and more information. We live in an era where, where we just like the newest and the best and all this, that, and the other. Hey, can I tell you all something? You already know more information than the vast majority of the world about the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't appreciate it. You already know that there's right and wrong. You already know that lying is wrong and yet you lie. You already know that cheating is wrong and yet you cheat. You already know that gossip is wrong and yet you gossip. You already know that stealing is wrong and yet you steal. You already know that, that playing around in the devil's den in our world with alcohol and everything else, you already know that those things don't fit in the life of a believer and yet you do it. See, my point here is precisely this. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness in this book. You read this book, you follow this book, you're building on the rock. You choose not to, you're building on the sand. <laughs> I was talking with the gentleman that we were helping, the big guy. He looked kind of size-wise, about my size. And we were talking, he said, yeah, it's a funny thing to look out the window and see your shed go floating down the middle of the street toward your neighbor's house. You know what the difference was between the house and the shed? The house had a proper foundation. The shed was set on the ground. It didn't survive. We automatically understand that you don't put your best furniture in the shed. Can I have an Amen. We automatically understand that we don't spend our money decorating a shed, correct? So why in the world are we spending our time and our effort trying to build a life in the shed of life rather than standing on the Word of God? We're pouring all our efforts into stuff that we, we don't want to surrender to God because God might ask us to do something we don't want to do.
I might have to actually follow what God's word says. And so we live in the shed. And when the rains come, the shed floats down the street because it's not on a proper foundation. I'm just giving you an illustration of exactly what Jesus is describing in this particular passage. Next thing I want you to know is this. Your support system will fall. When a flood comes, your support system will fall. Hear me. You think you've got this. You think you've got a plan to deal with the things that come in life. And I'm here to tell you, God is not going to give you any warning. And when it comes, your support system is going to fall as well. Question. When... uh, When your house floods at mealtime, what do you eat? You go to the microwave? No? Well, no, we don't go to the microwave. But you know, if the house is tore up, well, we'll just, you know, we'll just have to go, we'll have to go to McDonald's or somewhere flooded. Well, you know, we'll find a place. Ain't none. When we were there, there were just a tiny, tiny handful of restaurants that had cleaned up enough to get their certificate of occupancy to reopen. And for those of you who know me, let me say this, and I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it, 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 i got to tell you, it bothered me a little bit. Starbucks was not one of the ones that was open. Oh, Mama, your baby running a little fever. you got, got some teeth coming through. We need, we need to run down to Walgreens and pick up some baby Tylenol, flooded. Grocery stores, flooded. How many sportsmen we got? Guys that like to hunt and fish and all that kind of stuff. Y'all, I have bad news for you. Bass Pro Shop, flooded. Walmart. You name it. There were just a tiny handful of places that weren't. Your support system goes away. Did y'all know that? The things we've grown to count on, even if it's a little extra trouble to do it that way, the things we grow to count on, they go away. Appliances don't work. Stores don't open. Restaurants don't open. They're flooded too. Oh, and here's the best one. How many of y'all even think about the condition of roads before you leave your driveway? You take it for granted, don't you? You get in your car, you put the key in the switch, you start it, you back out of the driveway, and you take off. Guess what? The church stayed cut off from everyone else for about four days because the water was up over the roads and there was no one going anywhere. The lady that I told you about, the 59-year-old lady, y'all going to love this part, her son lives in Pigeon Forge. He's, a, he's working in Pigeon Forge. She called him. She says, honey, things are, things are flooding down here. He said, mama, you've got to get out of there. She looked out the window. She says, I can't. The street's flooded. So he got on the telephone, and he called one of his old buddies back in town. And that guy called around until he found a flat-bottom boat. And he followed the street right up to her house, took her right off the steps of her front porch into the boat, and rescued her out of there. We think of roads. We don't, even, we don't even think of roads. We don't even think of them not being available. But hear me when I say this. When God chooses to rock your world and a flood comes your way, all of your normal support system is going to be gone too. You know why? Hear me. 
Because God wants you to learn to depend on him instead of being self-sufficient. God is taking you to a place that you can't squirm your way out of, you can't connive your way out of, you can't, you can't systematize your way out of because he wants you to trust him. Now, the, the people on whom you depend, they're going to be in the same shape sometimes. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's friends that you count on. I'm amazed at how often situations hit and no one can help you because they're buried in their stuff too. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Now, we get down to this. Your life ain't never going to be the same. It's just not. Things have changed, but you have two choices. Please hear me because we met both. Two choices. Are you listening? You can get bitter or you can trust the Lord is your shepherd, and you can say, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters, even the flood waters. He restoreth my soul. I don't go to another store to get that. I don't go to the local hardware to get stuff to fix things. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even if the paths are flooded, he'll send a boat. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or swim it for that matter, through gator-infested waters, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my buddy's got my back? No, because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, even when there's no power. And you do it in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And it don't matter what's going on in life, even if my kid's trying to kill me and one of my soldiers tries, winds up killing him as he hangs by his hair from a tree. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord until this flood goes away. No, forever. There are some lessons to learn in the flood. There really are. I got one thing for believers in the room. That's a Sharpie. It's kind of a beat-up Sharpie, to be honest with you. A lot of the stuff is scratched off of it. It's still got some, still got some stuff in it. It's one of them fat Sharpies. It's got a big point on it. You think, what are you, preacher, have you lost your mind? No, I haven't. The family that we worked with on the second day we were there took Sharpie out of the windowsill and handed it to me and said, before you go, we want you to do something. We want you to write a passage of scripture. Not on a painting, but within the studs of our wall. We want to remember how God has brought us through this. You need to remember when the floodwaters rise, when everything gets out of control, when your life feels like it's spinning and you can't stop it. When your friends can't help you, when mom and daddy can't help you, when brothers and sisters can't help you, when the people from the church can't help you, God is there, and he will be your Lord and your shepherd. So you need to remember it, and don't just pass it off like a little garbage out, out of the history of your life. Instead, commemorate it. Write it down. Praise his name in the middle of the flood, because the flood will soon pass, and the praise will remain i got a question for you. 
What flood are you going through right now? What in your life has you turned somewhat inside out? Things just aren't going right. Relationships are not cooking. The kids don't like you. They don't come around. Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe for you, you got called to a meeting, but something happened and you didn't get to the meeting. And then you find out that two of your coworkers have been shot to death in a meeting that you should have been in. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter who works on a police department and someone walked up to them at the gas station and dropped them with a shot to the head. Maybe you've got a son, a daughter, a friend who was mistreated in a police stop. Maybe you're being audited by the IRS. You see, I don't, floods come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them come quickly. They're like flash floods. They're just on you. And others, they, they just rise slowly but consistently overnight. I don't know what's going on in your life, but this is what I know. The Lord can be your shepherd if you'll let him. Is the Lord your shepherd this morning? He will walk you through whatever flood he is sending your way. I said it, didn't I? He will walk you through whatever flood he is sending your way. God knows exactly what he's doing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know your circumstance this morning, and I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand, but what I am going to do is this. I'm going to ask you straight up, what's the flood going on in your life? What's spinning out of control? You're sick about it. You can't stop it. You need the Lord to step in and to do what only he can. What's going on in your life? I'm going to ask you just before we even begin to sing, you just get up and come on to an altar and resubmit yourself to the Lord God who will see you through any and every flood. Just get on up and come on right now. I know there are some in the room. I've seen your face the entire time we've been speaking together. I know that you're in a turmoil. What flood is it that's going on in your life? Are you trusting your old tactics? Are you trusting your old friends? Or are you learning to trust the Lord Jesus? Are you making little marks along the way? Are you giving him praise even in the midst of the flood? Father, this morning I want to thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I'm asking you this morning to be with those folks with whom we got to work. But I want you to be with these folks here as well. Lord, I look around the room and I know for a fact, I, I'm, I, it's, it's written all over their face. They're struggling. And this morning there's something that is keeping them from letting you be the God of their life that you want to be. God, I'm going to ask you to keep after them. Don't ease up. Don't let the passage of this moment let them get away. Because ultimately, you are our shepherd. And what you want to do in our life is exactly what needs to be done. Lord, we trust you this morning. You've never, you've never abused us. You may have challenged us, but you've never abused us. Lord, would you please do your work in this place? And we lift this time to you now. In Jesus' name.